when I signed my kids up for Jewish day school, I expected that there would be some Jewishy things asked of me as a parent. Send in sticks to build a model sukkah. Check. Make sure that the kids wear all white for the tashlich walk. Check. Send funds for the class tzedakah project. Check. Bring the whole family to a hilltop in Arlington for sunrise shacharit by 6.30 a.m.? So not check. <laughs> Raise your hand if you're a morning person. Wow. <laughs> I am in awe of each and every one of you. You will not relate in any way to what I'm about to say. <laughs> to the rest of you, to those of you who did not raise your hands, my people, <laughs> can I just say that Midnight Mariv would have been a much better idea? I have a dear friend, Rabbi Jonathan Infeld, who in feminist solidarity when we were in college took issue with the Jewish idea of time-bound mitzvot excluding women. Gender, he said, should not be the axis on which someone was exempt from certain time-bound mitzvot, he argued, but rather whether your biological clock was set to lark or owl. He would often proclaim that there should be another category of Jewish law, sleep-bound mitzvot. <laughs> I was thinking of Jonathan at last year's Sunrise Shacharit fiasco, the scene at my house at 5 a.m. Me and my kids, who God help them, have clearly inherited my predispositions, stumbling groggily around trying to find our coats and shoes and hats. We pile into the car, and then I look back only to realize they don't have their school bags. Yes, I say, school starts in three hours. I know. Yes, I say, it is pitch black. And yes, we are going. I tried to rouse my sons by mustering my chirpiest morning voice while declaring, this is so exciting, it's so special. We're gonna get to talk to God at the break of dawn. <laughs> to which one answered, at this hour, does God really wanna talk to us? <laughs> yep. That's my kid. <laughs> this past week, as we swallowed the news that indeed annual sunrise shachari meant that it was happening again this year, I was determined to set a better example. We set an early bedtime, we laid out everything that we would need in the morning, the night before, and I have to hand it to you morning people. You've got a really good thing going. The hour before sunrise was expansive. The singing, inspiring. The rush 
of watching the first rays of light as the sun emerged above the horizon was truly deserving of the word awesome. My sons and I even looked at each other and said, we should really do this again next year. <laughs> Which led me to wonder, how much can we change? And how much do each of us come with our own factory settings that can only be adjusted within a certain narrow range? That is the deep question of this moment in the Jewish calendar as we stand just weeks past the prayers and promises that we made during the high holidays to make better efforts to live in better ways. It also happens to be the deep question of the book of Noah that we read just this morning. At first glance, when you look at Noah, the answer would seem to be devastatingly depressing. God looks at the pre-flood world, sees it filled with Hamas, with violence and destruction, with unkindness and brutality, and says, nope, there's no prophet sent to invite the people to change their ways. There's no burning bush, just a harsh decree of the flood which only Noah and his family are going to survive. If you read the Peshat, the simple meaning of the Torah text itself, God's voice on whether most of flawed humanity can fundamentally change is a clear no. Luckily, as Jews, we never read just the simple meaning of the text. We have companion stories and comments that invite us to look again. According to Rashi, a commentator on the Torah, the building of the ark was actually excruciatingly slow. He says that it took 120 years. Why? Because every day, Noah's simple act of construction was an invitation to start a conversation. Hey, Noah, why are you building an ark? Well, a flood is coming to all of those who have not mended their ways. Wait, what? A flood, a flood. But if you change what you are doing, if you treat each other with justice and righteousness, maybe this story doesn't have to be written in this way. Rashi concludes, Ulai Yoshuvu, perhaps, they would repent, putting the possibility of change firmly in their and our hands. Looking at the news of our world on any given day, it's easy to feel like the generation of Noah and just walk right on by. It's too hard to change, even ourselves. This week, as we marked the fourth anniversary of the Tree of Life murders, while facing a, a fire hose of resurgent anti-Semitism and recurrent instances of man's inhumanity to man across the globe, all the more so, 
But buried in this Rashi is a clue that we can change ourselves and our world. And Rashi offers a roadmap as to how. First, ourselves. In order to change ourselves, and in order to have changed themselves, the generation of the flood would have had to stop long enough by the ark to ask the question, to sit with the answer, and then join Noah's tedious task of day after day after day, hammering away, building a new habit, and with it, the possibility of a new world. As author John Maxwell is quoted as saying, if your habits don't line up with your dreams, then you either need to change your habits or change your dream. How do we build the new habits to support our good intentions? Turns out the same way Noah did, persistently, day after day after day with the little things that build the building blocks to that ark that can bring us into a new world. And yet, we all know that that prosaic prescription can at times feel hopeless. There's a reason that the myth of Sisyphus has captured the imagination of so many for generations. When we are trying to change, it's a lot easier to feel like Sisyphus rolling that rock up a hill, only to have it roll back down again, than like Noah, steadfastly swinging his hammer to build a safe haven that weathers the greatest storms. Which is where our Parsha's most shining wisdom for us is found. What would it look like if it wasn't just about us? What would it look like if we could see ourselves as not just changing our habits to make ourselves better, but to make our world better? To be better about our workouts, not just so that we could hit a number on a scale, but so that we could be strong enough to lift someone else up to be more planful and productive, not just to do better in our professional lives, but to be more present at home with those we love and serve, to build more relationships with those who are not like us, not just to expand our social network, but to create more understanding and more allyship. The Torah teaches that reorienting in this way gives us the rocket fuel that we need for true transformation. And secondly, there is a powerful teaching that emerges from a troubling detail of Noah's story. After the flood, his first act is not glorious and redemptive. His first act is to plant a vineyard and get so drunk that he winds up cursing his own children, at which point the text jumps forward with no further detail about his life to report that he lives a bunch of years and then unceremoniously dies. To which you can say, boy, what happened? 
And I want to look at that through the frame of a mistake I think we often make when we think about our own future change. We often look towards life and we think about how it will be when we change and we think it's a simple matter of crafting like a bucket list. We have in our heads the happiness that we will feel when someday at some point things are good enough that we'll head to the Galapagos, hang glide or swim with the sharks or even some of our more noble visions of professional accomplishment and powerful social impact. We put that out there. If we imagine Noah looking at his bucket list oriented towards a dream of the world after the flood, though, we realize that we are often disappointed by bucket list thinking. Noah didn't accomplish what he or what any of us would have hoped to have accomplished, changing others. Or did he? What if he looked at his life through another lens? A lens most recently articulated by author Simon Sinek called the reverse bucket list. A bucket list, Sinek says, reminds us of all the things we are missing. A reverse bucket list asks us to consider what we already have, what we are building upon. It is so much better, he says, to go through the list of things that I have done and the things I never thought that I would be able to do that I was able to do. So let me ask you a question. What if Noah pulled out his reverse bucket list and saw what the very next chapter after his death in the Torah highlights, the children and the blessings that he had planted figuratively and literally to create a new world? What if he looked there and saw that? And what would it mean for our lives if we could too? It turns out that when we struggle with keeping our habits towards change, it is most often not because the goals are too big, but because our vision is too small. We get caught up in how much is wrong and forget to include all of the blessings that we are building upon. Which brings me back to sunrise shacharit. For my family and for me, while our factory settings may mean that 6.30 a.m. in Arlington will remain strictly a once a year occurrence. Nevertheless, the experience reminded us that in our broken world, we have outsized blessings to be grateful for, which means that there is so much more that we could lend our heart and our hands to do. As Zoe so beautifully spoke about this morning, we each have the capacity to create a counter world, a world where we take our blessings and use them to make more blessings into our world. But to focus that energy needs time. 
that is often missing in the chaotic and crammed after-school hours. And so we agreed to a morning moment before school or shul once a week. Maybe not early enough to see the sunrise, but early enough to reconnect with the most important item on our reverse bucket list, each other. What is on your reverse bucket list? And what will you do in this season to make focusing your gratitude for it into a habit that strengthens you to change yourself so that you can bring renewed energy to change our world. Shabbat Shalom. Thank you.